listening to Village Talks. Okay, hope you are doing well today. I am your host, Mark Clark, and I have Josh Cruz with us here today. Say hello, Josh. Hey, how's it going? All right. I'm doing well. How are you? That's great. Oh, great. I'm fine. All right. Uh, Josh is uh, one of our pastors, a pastor of counseling and care at our church, and uh, has a uh, PhD in clinical psychology and oversees just an amazing counseling department of our church. And so uh, one of the ideas was uh, to use this podcast to be able to delve into questions that people ask of counselors. Uh, we all need counseling at some level, go in and chat and get professional advice for different things that we go through in life. And at Village, we say, hey, it's it's not a taboo thing. Like, the, you, we need to be doing this in our life and our marriages. And, and uh, you know, there's a segment of newspapers back in the day where people would write in questions, like a Dear Abby uh, segment where they would say, hey, my sister, you know, told me I should do this. And and whatever, and, and then Dr. Whatever, Abby, or, you know, writes back and says, here's what you should do. So I wanted to, we get a bunch of questions that come in uh, from a counseling perspective, Josh, at the church. You, of course, meet with hundreds of people, but uh, we get emailed questions. Um, you certainly get questions. There are very popular things out there of, of stuff people need dealt with in their life from a counselor's perspective. And so one of the segments on the podcast show we want to do is every once in a while sit down with you and, and say, hey, here's some really popular things out there. And how does a counselor, how, in your opinion, how would you counsel us through this? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I'm going to hit four or five of those questions today and we'll, uh, we'll come back and do this again other days as well. But some popular things that I've heard uh, as I've met with people and done counseling. Uh, let me start off with this one. A uh, big problem, big issue that people face. Uh, in life, oftentimes, is uh, they get a situation where their uh, husband or wife has been unfaithful to them in marriage, and uh, someone has cheated. And the question is basically, is there hope for them saving their marriage? Or is it a situation where, hey, my husband cheated, my wife cheated, it's over, it's done. Is there hope for marriages that have experienced cheating? And what what is that hope? How do people get through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, whenever infidelity comes into a relationship, it definitely creates a huge rift um, or rupture, so to speak. Yeah. Yet you can repair it. Uh, it is possible, but it isn't a guarantee. Um, and there are couples that they don't recover from that. Right. Trust is such a huge thing uh, within a relationship. You hear it's the foundation of a relationship. And when there's a breach in that, uh, the question is, can I trust this person again? Sure. So. Yeah, a couple comes in, and uh, one of the uh, or both of the partners have been unfaithful. Um, first off, if they're coming in for counseling, that's fantastic. They're willing to face it. Yeah. There are a lot of couples that don't. That right. comes in and they're out, and there's no question. Right. They don't have now, a lot a, of hope. From a Christian perspective, um, you know, obviously Jesus gives unfaithful as a as a reason mm-hmm. to, for a legitimate separation or divorce. Um, and people argue, is it the only reason, you know, all that stuff. And that's a different conversation, but he certainly gives uh, marital unfaithfulness or sexual immorality, pornea, um, as a reason for, for, uh, separating. Um, so do you find that a lot of Christians just kind of grab a hold of that? And then when it happens, they go, okay, I'm out. Or Hmm. is it, oh my goodness, Let's come and get counseling and get work. What is there's a mix, and I think uh, part of our relational styles come into that. Some of us are pursuers, some of us are withdrawers. A lot of times, the withdrawers that comes in looking for an out. I'm not dealing with this. I don't want to actively 
process this through. It's a lot of work. I'll right. say that right up front. Yeah. Uh, when infidelity comes in, it's work. Um, and so you have to be invested in that. Right. But some people, it's, no, they're looking for a way. How do we manage this? How do we keep it together? Yeah. Um, and so with couples, I'll usually check in. What's your understanding of what Scripture says around this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically, what are we working with here? Are you in or are you out? The yeah. uh, fact that they're sitting on my couch doesn't necessarily mean they really want to work on it. Uh, a lot of couples, they're coming in basically to say, tell their friends, yeah, we did counseling, didn't work. We did everything we could and check we're out. Box. And they're sitting there and they're not doing counseling. They're not engaged. But for the couples who do, um, they're then coming in just talking about what is the impact of, uh, of this on them. Basically, um, I, I really start with um, what happened. Let's get some of the information. And then in terms of trust, if your partner doesn't understand the impact, uh, then it wouldn't, to a certain extent, be foolish for you to then be vulnerable and put yourself back out there. How can you trust that that won't happen again? So we really start with, okay, uh, behaviorally, make sure that are you still in contact with this person? How long ago was it? Um, are you taking steps to prevent that from happening? So surface level. Mm-hmm. When those things are in place, then um, what was the impact of this on you? And usually there's an emotional impact. But there's also what are you telling yourself? Um, it's like your feet you're are kicked about out. To the to the person who cheated? Is that who you're talking to? Right um now? Yeah, talking to, um, I guess, the person who was unfaithful, um, basically telling them you need to work now on understanding your partner and the impact of what you did on them. So telling the person who was cheated upon that what's going on, what's happening for you, what are you telling yourself, how do you understand this? Confidence uh, can be a huge um, uh, thing that's blown in the midst of this. Like, what is it about me? What did I do? Did uh, I deserve this? Um, can I really trust this person again? Mm-hmm. And then the emotional part, that's really where the safety um, needs to be developed and the healing, because if they don't understand how hard this was for me and the impact, how on earth could I put myself back out there again and expect myself not to get hurt? So there has to be an acknowledgement Absolutely. of how it impacted the person cheated upon. Yes. Right. So, yeah. so what, have, what have you seen? Um, give us some hope. What have you, have you Mm -hmm. seen couples that have had infidelity happen and survive and flourish? Yeah. And I, uh, like one, no, 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 no. 10 Um, or a hundred. No. So it's not a hundred percent. Um, but it is, it is high when these things are in place. Um, they can be transparent. Um, they can be vulnerable and their partners can hear, um, both of them what's Mm -hmm. going on for, uh, for each of them. What Mm -hmm. is the impact of this been? Um, yeah, very high. And sometimes you'll hear, okay, how do we get back to where we were? Right. And I, I rarely say that because it's no, where we were, open the door for this to happen. No excuses. You have to take ownership for it. But a lot of couples, what happens is they're talking on levels they've never talked before. They're real, they're raw, they're vulnerable. They're having to fight for their relationship and they're going through the ringer. And because they did that, when they come out, they're in a whole different place than they were before. And not that they would ever say, uh, yeah, never advise a couple, hey, just throw a little infidelity in there and your guys are going to be close. <laughs> but um, right. they wouldn't want to go back to where they were because right. they're experiencing other An each other in a new way. Communication. Which is huge. Things that weren't happening before. Things were shut down. Absolutely. The couples I've counseled, there was communication was, was pretty well non-existent and uh, they weren't chatting, they weren't talking. And now this has opened up a whole realm of, okay. So it's almost like through the cross comes the resurrection out yes. the other side. Yes. There's, there's hope. Um, in your, so, so, okay, so go ahead. So, so hope, uh, if they'll get talking, if they'll get mm-hmm. transparent, mm-hmm. okay, what else? 
Um, so yeah, the upfront, it's that transparency. Yep. You have to develop the trust. Um, yep. and the offending partner has to understand that, yeah, they're probably going to want to check your phone. They're going to want to know where you are. So um, you, you would advise that all has to be very open. Yeah. Don't, everything don't, out on the table right, right now. Right. Cause imagine then you're trying to develop trust and something new comes up like, right. oh, I didn't tell you that one. Right. You're, you're exposed. Now, you're open. Let me, let me ask you from a counselor's perspective. This is a big, big question that, that I dealt with in the past. Um, how much detail uh, do we actually get into when, so someone cheats on someone and the person admits it, how much detail do they actually get into in saying, okay, let me uh, tell you exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Is that dependent? How much detail do you give the person when you're confessing? Do you yeah. let open all the secrets of the scenario? Do you just say, Hey, I cheated. Let's move on. Yeah, no, I I think it's, it's a bit of a dance and depends on the partners, but generally speaking, I don't go to the extremes of every little bit of uh, detail and information needs to be on the Mm -hmm. table or the other end Mm -hmm. of let's just move beyond this. It's a, what do you need to know? Um, But I tell them right away that you have to recognize that as soon as that information's out there, those images, those thoughts, they don't disappear. And because this is so emotionally impactful, they won't disappear. Um, and so I create that, set that out there, and then um, I'll ask the the uh, partner who was cheated upon, what do you, what are your questions? What do you want to know? And then I want to understand what's behind that. What would that do for you to have that? Right. Um, uh, what was he wearing? What was she wearing? Um, right. When would this happen? Um, okay, if with that information, what does that do for you? Right. Well, it just help me know that during that time of the day. Okay, then maybe that's a good uh, response yeah. or a question to get a response for. But no, it, it's partner dependent, and I, to a certain extent, the more better. Assuming that the offended the more better what uh, information, the more um, information, the generally, better, generally speaking, speaking, as long as the person can handle it, because sometimes that's all they see. That image is well, just sure. ruminating. Right, I can't get that out of my head. Well, that's because it's now on the table. Yeah. Um, but here's the risk on the other end. You don't want stuff coming up down the road. Right. Transparency is so important up front. Yeah. Because if I'm going to put myself back out there, I need to know what I'm dealing with here. And I can't have a new wound on top of the existing right, one. Right, right, Okay. Now, <clears throat> what are some of the uh, factors that you've seen just on this uh, question? And then we'll move to a second question mm-hmm. um, that led up to uh, the cheating. I think um, there are three or four common denominators. Yeah. So connection within a relationship um, and and closeness. So communication, talk about being one of the foundations of a relationship, trust being another one. If you're not connected with your partner, all of a sudden that door starts to open. Um, And if there's no hope um, of that connection or if you're just finding my partner is not accessible, that door opens up a little bit more. Um, God created us. We're relational beings made for connection with him. And then we have the parallel of our um, horizontal relationships, earthly relationships um, as a model for that. And so when we don't have that, uh, we respond kind of back to that pursue withdraw. Sometimes we actively, you will listen to me. We will talk about this now, uh, almost a protest type thing. Or sometimes it's for whatever reason, I'm pulling back. They're not going to be there for me. I'm never going to receive the love that I need. Yeah. Um, so when partners get that disconnect going that I can't count on my partner to be there for me, mm-hmm. then because it's a fundamental need, no excuses, that door opens and they start looking for it elsewhere or it finds them elsewhere. Right. Uh, a lot of people think and assume that it's that person's then, yeah, they're jumping on Tinder or whatever it might be, trying to hook up, find somebody. Right. Um, and that's the case sometimes, but a lot of times it's little steps, missteps that looking back, how did I get to this place? 
Well, because each little step you allowed that in and you were more vulnerable because you weren't working on, man, marriage takes work, right. working on de- uh, developing that connection, that communication. How within. much of it is it gets connected back to the health of the sex life in particular? You're talking about connection and communication. Mm-hmm. So when people hear that, they think, oh, it means I'm not sitting on my couch enough tr- talking to my wife about her problems or her talking, you know, mm-hmm. if, uh, t- I'm not talking to my husband enough about whatever. Um how much of it is like, man, the sex life dried up, mm-hmm. um, and so the the man or the wife went looking for it elsewhere. Because mm-hmm. I know cheating's not just about sexuality. That's right. There's a there's an emotional uh, affair that usually happens mm-hmm. before uh, any kind of you know uh, mm-hmm. sexual one. So I know it's not that explicit, but what is the the connection to a healthy sex life and cheating? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said, a lot of times it's not just a purely physical thing mm-hmm. and some, a lot of times it's not just a purely emotional relational thing. They pour into each other. Um, but think about it even just biologically for, uh, let's just start with men. Uh, there's the buildup. Um, mm-hmm. so you have an orgasm, um, within, I believe it's 24 to 48 hours, then uh, you're back at it. You're mm-hmm. full, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so let's say then uh, you aren't sexually active and a week later that build becomes stronger um, and the temptation becomes that much greater. Once again, no excuses, but it does open that door in the sense of, okay, I've got to drive. And if we're not able to connect on a sexual level, then my eyes start going elsewhere. Um, uh, But then the emotional side is so huge. If a couple comes in and they just say, uh, yeah, our sex life sucks. I want to understand what that means for them. But I'm right away (laughs) checking in with how's your emotional connection, your relational connection. Mm -hmm. If that's not there, then how do you translate that into your sexual intimacy? Mm -hmm. Um, That pours right back in. And once again, if we don't have sexual intimacy, um, it pours into, well, how connected do you feel outside of um, the bedroom or outside of sex? Right. So, yeah, so what is, about, because it sounds like if you go down that road too far, that a wife maybe uh, is going to feel like you're saying, oh, so it's my fault that he cheated on me. No, no, Don't no. you understand, no. Pastor Josh, Dr. Josh, that I, that I had a baby, okay, uh, and Absolutely. I had another baby and Absolutely. another baby, and my emotions were all over the place, my... Uh, my whatever chemical in my brain was mm-hmm. not sexually active. So what are you telling me to be a sex slave for my husband so no, he doesn't no. go out and cheat on me? Mm-hmm. But there's a... No, so you've given the, the perspective of the reality of a man's biology of the latter mm-hmm. or... Uh, even a woman's, I was, uh, a woman wrote me recently said her sex drives higher than her husband. Right. So it's not See just a, a male, female thing. Um, but what about that scenario where, you know, the wives are, you know, not as motivated to connect sexually and there's this impact how do they how do they work through that yeah and that's where then the crossover so i think of the three major areas of intimacy you have spiritual intimacy emotional intimacy and physical intimacy and they pour into each category and when there's a whole uh, emptiness in one of those yeah um it starts to pull and drag from the other one so sure. let's say okay just had a baby um it's probably a month or so depending on uh, the delivery yeah, we can't have sex. Um, that doesn't cancel everything else out, but let's also be practical. Yeah. You've got a newborn baby. You're not yeah. sleeping that much. Yeah. Chances are you're not trying to uh, get close to your partner during that time. Um, so let's say, let's be extreme. Let's take sexual intimacy off the table completely. Um, 
that that's where the emotional intimacy and the spiritual intimacy becomes so important. Mm-hmm. How do I then pour into and demonstrate how much my partner matters to them mm-hmm. uh, or matters to me? Yep. And also that when they need me, I'm going to be there for them. Spiritual intimacy too. So on an individual level, how are we connecting with God? What does that closeness look like? And then what does the crossover look like within our relationship? Are we doing some of the disciplines together, prayer, scripture reading, yeah. uh, just challenging, encouraging each other? Right. When those are full, they can for a time, compensate for the other areas. So you want to kind of come full circle. You want to um, kind of prevent uh, separation, prevent unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. You are actively pouring into the spiritual, emotional, and physical intimacy within your relationship. Right. You are then full there. Um, mm-hmm. Your eyes are less likely to wander. Your mm-hmm. mind, your heart is less likely to wander because you're full in so many right. ways. Okay, so final word to couples who've experienced cheating two or three things they have to do immediately to survive the, uh, the affair. Uh, I think right away confess that you're carrying this. Um, so for the the people Mm -hmm. out there that that's uh, what's going on right now, or even, and this is a tough one and you might find people who argue otherwise, but if it's years ago, um, Mm -hmm. it's, nah, it's in the past. We've moved on. I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to hurt him with that, but you're carrying that. Um, and that's, that, is showing up within the relationship. So yes, it's not for the purpose of, oh, you can feel the relief and dump it on them, but that creates a bit of a a breach within the relationship. So confess. Secondarily, seek support. So you need friends, you need family. Yes, what you need to be doing with your partner is making sure that they're okay with you sharing that information and with who. It's incredibly vulnerable. But then seek uh, seek counseling support. Um, It's hard to do. And and so many couples, because it's so real and raw, Mm they can't just sit down in, in their living room and process it through, get that understanding, that transparency, understand the impact. They need that safety within an environment where a third party can say, well, wait a minute, let's let's try to slow it down a little bit. What's going on for you right now as yeah. you hear him say that, hear her say that, so you can then work that through. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. All right. Let's ask a second Dear Abby kind of question, Dear Dr. Josh kind of question. Uh, I struggle with porn addiction. How do I get help? That's a big one as I, uh, even our men's retreat, I was talking to some guys who just confided in me uh, privately that this is uh, attention for them. Um, so you got the guy out there. We live in a very porn-saturated culture. It's readily available on phones and whatever. You can hide it. You can find it. So let's say I'm a Christian guy um, trying to follow Jesus. I find myself keep drawing back to look at porn. Um, how do I get help? So we're already at a place where we recognize it's sin. We don't have to convince anybody of that. And they're in, coming from the, the questionnaire's mind. I need help. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you can go on uh, websites uh, like uh, porn is the new drug.org, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it talks about not non-Christian website, of course, but talks about the research being done the pathways that are created in the brain, it's like cocaine. It's like, you know, so we know all the negative things that, that happen in in the brain and the body and the, even the relational disconnect that come from pornography. Uh, so I'm looking for help. I want to get practical help. What do I do? Dr. Josh? Yeah. Uh, so I think of it in terms of layers. Uh, so when they come in, I always want to find out what does this look like for you? Um, 
even like super practical in the sense of what time of day, um, yeah. what's going on for you. Uh, Freedom Session, one of the things that, because they get right into this issue, halt. They talk about hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm. What's going on? What are, where are you on that scale mm-hmm. going through? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the higher you are on each of those levels, the more susceptible you are. Mm-hmm. So I'm wanting to increase awareness for the person of, yeah, when is this going on? Uh, what is the nature of it? Um, what am I feeling during that time? Because once you're aware of that, now you can start to do things in order to prevent that. Um, and then also, yeah, distraction can be a part of it too. Let's say every time uh, before I go to bed seems to be one of the most common ones. Um, okay, what's happening for you then? And this is, brings in the second layer, getting to the root. What are you feeling during that time? What's going through your head? Uh, what are you even noticing on a, a physical or physiological level? Like I just get this emptiness in my chest and so what do you do? Well, so I jump on the computer or I get on my phone. And what does that do for you? And then I even try to break down right before, during, um, and then right after. And mm-hmm. um, what is your process like in the midst of that? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times in that moment, it just grabs you. And there's almost like, I, d- I don't have an option to do anything else. Um, I'm now overcome by this. Mm-hmm. And so we try to then insert other ways to break free from that. So prevent But when you're in that moment, can you start to look ahead of how you're going to feel after? Mm -hmm. In the moment, you're thinking about how you're going to feel in just a second Mm -hmm. um, or while you're in it. Um, But rarely do we then look at the consequences after. And Mm -hmm. so that can help separate us. Um, Yeah. And then so on that top layer, it's uh, software type things. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to throw it there too. A lot of times we uh, just make the assumption that it's a male issue. There are many women who struggle with this too. Mm and sometimes it can look different when we talk about porn. Usually we're not talking about romance novels, fantasy, um, but sometimes we are. Um, and so it's the same struggle for women as well and breaking down what's going on for them. Mm-hmm. When you get to the root, it's a lot of times it's just a way of coping um, to where I, I've got this pain, I have this emptiness, I have this loneliness, and I don't want to feel that. I mean, right. you talk about drinking drugs, um, all sorts of things, um, sex. They make you feel good. In the They're moment. great. And you don't feel they, what it is. Yeah. So what no one's is. saying that looking at this stuff isn't fun and good Absolutely. and it hits pleasure centers of the brain That's 100%. Right. No one's denying that. It's the same with smoking weed and drinking That's right. and whatever. It serves There's a things that are very fun. That's right. But they're ultimately not you know, good for you in your relationship with the Lord. They're not good for you in your relationship with your spouse. Um, They're not good for you, just relationship to other people. What you start to recognize is you look at people differently. Um, You sexualize everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. Once this kind of takes hold of your brain and the way that you actually filter life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, or, and what we're seeing now as well is uh, guys who actually prefer um, porn to actually mm-hmm. real women because they can construct this reality. I actually counseled a couple recently where the guy said his he's newly married, so he's probably a year into his marriage. And he said, she doesn't, you know, you don't actually pleasure me as much as I pleasure, I, because I've been pleasuring myself for 30 years, 25 mm-hmm. years, I've been looking at porn pretty hardcore for the last five. Um, there's no way you could compete against myself. <laughs> yep. She knows <laughs> herself what works when it commentary. works. Yep. Is he, you know, he's, he's beaten off and looking at porn so much that he knows how to do it better than his wife. And instead of teaching his wife, here's what you do and here's how I like it, whatever, he just says, ah, it's easier for me to do it myself. Hmm. 
Um, and that is becoming more the, the reality of these guys as they relate to people. They can't even look women in the face. They don't even know what to do mm-hmm. um, because they just had these virtual relationships. So, well, it's yeah. funny you say that because I was having a conversation over the weekend about virtual reality coming in. Um, and what's that going to do to the porn world? Right. And then you start throwing in, not to get too graphic, but devices that please you as you watch the porn. Yeah. We're going to get guys who are going to hang out in their room, like, and women too. And not um, leave. That's, yeah. <laughs> and I know we're half laughing, but right. I, no, I can totally we'll see that. beards and just that's be right. having sex with a fake, you know, whatever. That's right. Because yeah. like you said, they do it for them in mm-hmm. ways that another person, because that's back to that vulnerability. You're having to put yourself out there. You're having yeah. a risk. Are they going to be there for me? Um what about the dangers of porn? In, I've got a lot of emails about this. Even Christian couples porn in their marriages. Yeah. So they've been told that porn's wrong because you're hiding it from your spouse. But then they go, oh, we just watch it together mm-hmm. to get aroused. Mm-hmm. Then we have sex and it like, you know, it increases. So would you advise against that and why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but the funny I thing is that, that does. the tea for you. No, that, yeah. that uh, comes up a lot. It's, yeah. it's either for educational purposes to right. understand. We want to learn new uh, positions, techniques, ways to please each other. Right. Or, man, we could spend a long, long time trying like uh, foreplay and building up towards that. Or right. we could watch porn and. He's in the mood. I'm in the mood. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So no, don't advise that. Um, Coming full circle, uh, infidelity and faithfulness. um, You are bringing another into that. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it though. So yes, it's on a screen or a TV, but um, in our mind, they might as well be right there. Yeah. Would you walk into a room and watch another couple have sex and don't mind us? uh, We're just, yeah, we're we're trying to build up because yeah, yeah, we want to learn some things. Yeah. No, uh, we don't do that. So what's different than um, with yeah. porn? And and then what's happening is what's the arousal? Mm-hmm. Is that because um, I'm then attracted to the woman that I'm seeing? Um, uh, is it I'm attracted then to the man that I'm seeing? And what? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, wait a minute. How is that helping the intimacy within your relationship? Yeah. So my curiosity is what gets in the way of you building that with your partner? Yeah. What's the barrier there? And how can you? Well, I think for a lot of people, communicate? If, if we're honest. Um, Certainly from a male perspective, sexuality, a variety is, you know, if we just talk about our raw, having a variety of different sexual mm-hmm. expressions, and I'm sure for women as well, um, there's something appealing to mm-hmm. variety. And yep. the, real, the real thing is the same person mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So... What would you? So obviously, that's the reason they hit the porn. Was I get to see mm-hmm. this ethnicity have sex with that ethnicity, or I get yep. to see the girl dressed up in a in a cheerleading outfit? <laughs> my or wife I get won't to see, do that for me. Yeah, so exactly. At least I get it. So, how would you counsel couples to get that kind of variety in the fulfillment of being with one mm-hmm. another? So, I think it starts with the communication. So, here's the thing: if uh, if I'm wanting that and my partner's not able to provide that for me. In some ways, it would be easier. I'll just go watch it. Right. I'm good. I don't have to put that on her. Um, I don't have to risk her saying no because that would be disappointing. Mm. Um, I hate to say it, but in many ways, it's it's a cowardly way out. It's mm. I don't want to risk coming to my partner and saying I would like to spice it up a little bit. And I'll say within reason. Uh, there are limits, um, sure. obviously. Well, let's talk about those in a second. Okay. Yeah. But go ahead. Oh, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then it's then coming to your partner and then saying, um, here, hey, wear this outfit. <laughs> that's right. But, or but just even the conversation. Be, just the conversation. You purchase it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, just thinking, here's a, here's a, a yeah. category because you don't want to offend 
them either where they think, okay, now we're in this endless, it's like a gateway drug of endless cycle of, you know, before you know it, he's only going to be attracted to me if I'm on a unicycle and I got, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a unicorn horn yep. or something. And what's next? <laughs> what's next? Where are we going with this? Yep. Are we going to become swingers, you know, throwing our keys in a fishbowl? Um, so, uh, so I get that. So the, so the, the key is to have those conversations and yes. be talking about this stuff. You know, one of the, one of the things on the, the decline of a marriage, the first, uh, I think uh, Gary Rosenberg or somebody talks about this, where they talk about the, the first step toward divorce or decline is unfulfilled expectations, mm-hmm. where there's not a front-loaded conversation about, um, here's what, so I've met with couples and they, they get married and, uh, and the guy comes to me a year later, he goes, oh my goodness, we don't have oral sex. And I said, okay. So take me back. And it was like, well, I assumed this was part of the deal and now I'm married. It's not part of the deal. And I'm like, well, didn't you have the conversation before you were married? No. So, uh, obviously that's an unfulfilled expectation. You assumed a lot of things Mm -hmm. when you married this girl and now she hasn't fulfilled or vice versa, uh, which is actually the couple that, that I met with. It was the girl who was wanting oral and he wasn't into it mm-hmm. so um they didn't talk about it beforehand which mm-hmm. to me which a big part of that. seems pretty basic yeah <laughs> you'd have these conversations before you got married yeah but maybe because so, it's so basic the conversation's not happening not like of course, natural, it's, of course it's a given to do that yeah mm-hmm. so okay let's so let's talk about the boundaries and so yep. it's 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 un, we're saying you got to converse you got to be talking be like mm-hmm. hey honey this is what really turns me on hey you know in both directions uh, and it can be simple things like uh, the the woman I talked to recently looked at her husband and said, you know, that you're not slopping around in your dirty T-shirt mm-hmm. that you got when you, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, someone said to my wife recently talked about, yeah, you know, it'd be great to, if, if I went home to my husband and he looked like this, but some of us go home to a husband that doesn't look a particular way and it's hard to get uh in and aroused through the way he looks and then and it's also the same the other way of uh you know people don't shower for weeks on end once they're married mm-hmm. and they don't keep themselves you know just manicured you know whatever right so yeah so uh so there's some of that and that needs to be talked about where it's like hey honey you're actually more attractive when you brush your teeth uh so that's that's issue number one and i think that'll go a long way Mm-hmm. Um, be just opening up that conversation, but so so that's key, and make sure you do that. So let's talk about these boundaries you talked about because mm-hmm. it can get unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So let me just let me just start with the with something I'm seeing a lot of, and you tell me if you're seeing a lot of it. I'm seeing a lot of couples get married with an expectation of having anal sex, mm-hmm. and the husband goes in with this expectation of a lot of anal sex before they're even married. And Mm -hmm. she's feeling uncomfortable because he starts talking about it two, three weeks in. And she's like, into the marriage, into the marriage. Like, so this isn't happening. Um, When are we going to the anal happening? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we just got married. Are you not happy (laughs) with Mm -hmm. like normal sex? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so first, let me ask you the question. What, What do you counsel people in the midst of the question of anal sex? Do you, do you say, yeah, this is a legit option from a Christian perspective, or do you take it off the table from a Christian perspective? I'll tell you what I think in a sec, but sure. Yeah. Um, what have you, what have and you I'll be honest, um, that specific hasn't then come up. Oh, okay. um, so I'm thinking on the spot. <laughs> so it might be just the people I'm meeting with. <laughs> no, well, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I almost want to take a step back. And yeah, just so look what are at, the so boundaries that you're thinking about? Well, I'm thinking um, just even uh, thematically, uh, so safety. Um, and that's it comes back to the yeah. communication too. The boundaries are within what you and your partner are comfortable with. Yep. And that doesn't mean they have to stay there, but the ongoing communication around, let's say, so the uh, oral sex, um, hey, this isn't happening, what's going on? Um, they could be grinding at each other emotionally um, yeah, and just trying to, why isn't this, and create a big disconnect. Mm-hmm. Or it can be, so what goes on for you when I even ask that? Um, how could we get to a place where maybe that would be an option? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to create the safety towards that. Mm-hmm. When it comes across as demanding, you're actually probably going to create greater distance sure. and the likelihood is much less for that. Yeah, um, yeah anal sex, uh, my... My initial reaction is a no. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of biblical grounding um, <laughs> around that. But yeah, I'm then, I would be asking the partner, okay, where'd that come from? Um, you, what, I, what I'm seeing usually is it's, um, so my wife and I were counseling a couple a little, little bit ago and he jumped right to, you know, she said, well, I'm uncomfortable with his constant desire for anal. And, uh, and my wife immediately said, oh, it's an interesting, you know, thing. And, and she immediately went to, do you watch porn? Mm-hmm. And he said, That's yeah, my head went when yeah, the question yeah, yeah. came He's up. He's like, yeah, I watch a ton of porn. And m- most of the people that, so, but what I'm saying is going into marriages now, it's actually an expectation because mm-hmm. guys have been programmed mm-hmm. to see so much anal through, uh, through the porn that they expect this to jump right into it with their mm-hmm. wife. And so, yeah, my, my counsel is no, I, I don't think it's, it's probably, an, I don't think that's why that part of your body was created. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's health stuff. That's right. I mean, there's a ton of, there's a ton of, uh, you know, issues with that um, in regard to health and, and those kind of things. And I think it is probably driven by, uh, Hey, let's ramp this up in regard mm-hmm. to, you know, um, uh, things that, that you begin to go. Okay. And especially um, wives are now there's wives that are, you know, open to it and into it and like it and blah, blah, blah. And, and that can be a conversation. And, mm-hmm. you know, as Paul talks about in Romans 14, there's a conscious uh, right. thing about, about what you guys have decided to do together. And I'm not, if, if that's a healthy thing in your marriage, well, I'm not, I'm not attaching a Bible verse to it and saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's wrong because it's that orifice or versus, you know, whatever. I'm just saying, uh, I think from a health perspective, I think oftentimes, secondly, that the wife is uncomfortable with it. You, you will find women different, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you, and, and the people that we've counseled, it's mostly been, you know, I'm kind of, are you not satisfied with my vagina? That's like, right. what's, why do we need to go mm-hmm. into everything? Um, and uh, and so what I've seen in the past is like, husband, well, no, we got we got to try. I thought when we got married, I thought, we, you know, and right there, there was, there's flags for me. It's mm-hmm. like, why are you, even situations where people, you know, have had a past mm-hmm. um, of, of uh, you know, uh, abuse or whatever, where it's like, whoa, you know, we got to be careful. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, yeah, so the boundaries need to be talked about. Hey, yeah. I'm willing to go here, but I'm not willing to go. And you need to, the point of all of this discussion is you need to be having those discussions before you're married. Mm-hmm. Don't have them after. Mm-hmm. So don't assume that your husband's going to be into oral. Have the conversation. Don't assume your wife's going to be into oral. Don't assume, don't assume anything. Have the conversations right. before you're married because you do not want to get married. All these expectations of things and then find out, hey, this isn't an option. Mm-hmm. And you even know. those conversations up front, you're developing um, a way of interacting with each other because when you're within the relationship, if you can't even talk about that up front, 
how are you going to tell your partner uh, what's pleasing to you yeah, and how totally. you're wanting to please them in a certain yeah, way? Yeah. So you're building the foundation right up front for that. And you might hit roadblocks, that, like we were just talking about having a baby. And what does that then mean? And how yeah. can we please each other during that time or not? Um, yeah. But let's talk. Yeah. And then even as you age too and just changes with your body and medical conditions yeah. that can enter in, how do we work with each other? But yeah. if it's so sensitive, we there isn't the safety to talk, to talk about it. Man, that creates a big area of disconnect. It's a huge part of our lives. All right, come back to the question on the table. One last comment on it from you. Porn addiction, how do you get help? Anything else you want to say? The accountability component. Um, Don't do that on your own. Um, So, uh, yeah, shame comes with porn. Um, And that's part of the, we set this all or nothing expectation. It's like climbing a mountain. We want to be on the top in day one. It's let's be reasonable. Um, And this can be hard and people may disagree with it somewhat, but I'll ask them how many times are you viewing porn and masturbating in a week? And let's say uh, they're saying, uh, okay, five times a week. Well, homework, and I don't always do homework, but with porn, um, I'll throw that out there. Um, It will be, what about three times? Right prescribing it yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. it's going to right. happen um need goals then to get yeah. yeah but it's an all or none and yeah. then what happens is the confidence it's like you see yourself not succeeding in it yeah um but then and the spiritual component not as a tag on but as right up front okay god this is something that i know that's undesirable and it, it is uh, creating distance within yeah. my relationship with you god gave us the holy spirit for a reason mm-hmm. i need you in that moment i need mm-hmm. you to shine a light on whatever it is i'm trying to run from mm-hmm. i need to be able to recognize your presence in the midst of this so i can work through whatever it is that i'm trying to avoid and then i need your power and one of the fruits of the spirit self-control i need that in the midst of this and through this right. and so starting there is big and then bringing other people in the accountability right. because on your own um you're going to succumb to the thoughts, the desires in that moment. But mm-hmm. if you have a go-to guy or another guy or mm-hmm. girl, another girl, um, same sex, to be able to say, man, I'm tempted. Um, I need you right now. And Freedom Session talks about this. Um, what's your four-hour plan? Right. Why don't you get out of your house right now? Run. Right, right, right. Context. Like you're jo- just going like to swim in it. in front of uh, Potiphar's wife or something. That's right. You, run. you will give in, <laughs> yeah. uh, most likely, if you try to, I'll just hang out here for a little bit. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, good. Let me ask you one last uh, question here. Uh, ask Dr. Josh. And you can send in your questions as well as you're mm-hmm, listening to this uh, podcast show. Just uh, email the church um, and just say, hey, next time uh, we do an Ask uh, Dr. Josh uh, segment on the podcast, I would like this uh, question answered. And we can also provide you resources. Um, any resources off the top of your head in regard to the porn question websites, there's triple X okay. You could put software on mm-hmm. covenant eyes, uh, porn is the new drug. That kind of stuff is out there. Anything. Yeah, no, those are uh, some of the go-to. Um, okay. and then, uh, shameless plug, uh, just even freedom session. We have that going on at the church, yep. um, starts in the fall oh, and yeah. Yeah. Tons of people have been helped through that. Absolutely. All right. Let me ask you uh, this question. Um, I have a traumatic past. Can God heal me? So mm-hmm. when you get that question, obviously it comes in all kinds of variety of, you know, situations, rape, um, maybe a, a murder in the family, um, abuse, uh, by a spouse, um, drug addiction, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So talk about, uh, people have a traumatic past, maybe something done to them, maybe something they've done. Uh, what are you seeing in regard to God healing people? Yeah. Um, 
and this is where I really have to humble myself um, within this, that God, in his wisdom, sometimes cho- chooses to heal somebody from that almost in an instant. Um, and uh, don't want to box God in. And, and I've seen that, and it's been a blessing to then see where I'll meet with somebody once, and I'm, I'm, I'm not that good. Um, but they come back the next time, and it's like, I'm not having those same reactions. It's not there anymore. Right. And that's where I'm, thank you, Lord, um, for what you're doing through me and even outside of me. Um, for a lot of people, it's something that you're probably going to have to manage going forward, but right. the hope is to a lesser extent. Right. Um, trauma has a way of covering itself, that it comes up. God created us functionally, that we get that check engine light or that red flag that yeah. comes up when we're in a similar context, um, similar place. And it's like warning, warning, warning. So let's say, um, situation, let's say you were uh, raped uh, when you were younger. And so then all of a sudden you get into a relationship and there's this unease or even an overwhelm, yeah. like a shakiness that's coming up. Yeah. It's a trauma response. Um, um, what's happening in that moment is your body is then telling you that I need to be careful about this situation because this feels close enough careful, careful, danger, danger. And God created that in us because what would be the alternative? We don't remember what happened in the past and we just keep going into the right, same situations right, right, again and again. Right. But that same warning, which can be adaptive, can all of a sudden become overwhelming or unhelpful. Mm. I can't get close to people any- anymore. Um, and all, Or I just shut down. I have panic attacks, all yeah. those things. And so, um, yeah, one of the major ways that God heals and that is through the presence of uh, whether it's counseling or um, a wise mentor, somebody who can enter into that trauma with you, give you some of the tools for coping, even regulating your body and emotions around it, mm. and then facing whatever it was, the impact. It's almost like cleaning out a wound that you're starting to get in there and it hurts, it's painful, mm-hmm. but by getting in there, it's not as sensitive as it was. Like? Um in the practical sense, so when I'm meeting with somebody, uh, we'll talk through the situation, mm. and I'm then gauging. I, I safety's so big um, in relationships, yep. so the counseling relationship too. And I'm telling them, let's not go too fast. Let's um, as we lean into it. I'm even having them tune in. What's going on inside? Um, yeah, my heart's about to jump out to my chest. Mm. That's not a cue for me. Let's lean right in. It's, right, right. Let's maybe pull back. Yeah. How can I help you regulate down? But for them to get to a place where they can go through the narrative, the story of what happened, and it's not as actively triggering, mm-hmm. what you're doing is freeing up space in order for that wound to heal to where it can become a scar, to where as you look back on it, there's more of a sadness uh, around it as opposed to uh, a fear, a horror, an overwhelm. Right. Um, the emotion is a little bit less. And so then you have more freedom going forward to, let's say, in relationships, be more trusting, right. even though that warning light's going to come up. Sure. Uh, and last so, thing I'll say is, yeah. so what is trauma? Trauma is basically when something exceeds our current capacity to cope with it, mm-hmm. and that looks different. Um, you and I could go into a situation, the exact same thing, and you could have a very different response than me. Let's say your coping's better than mine. You may walk out and be a little bit shaken. Mm-hmm. I may be in my bed or in the corner, crawled up, um, literally rocking myself um, to sleep or fully checked out. Right. Same situation, but yeah. it overwhelmed my system. And God created in that in us so that we would shut down and not have to feel that overwhelm. Right. So that, yeah, because a lot of people ask that question. How do I know if it was traumatic? Well, it kind of depends. What was your response to person, it? Right. Um, so what's, what are the things that this kind of enters into the whole realm of stuff that we see often, which is anxiety, <clears throat> people mm-hmm. who are living with anxiety, they can't come into rooms with more than a few people. They mm-hmm. there's, you know, my, my, people, my yeah. buddy back in, uh, 
in Toronto who, you know, finished off his master's degree and the next day didn't get out of bed for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these, these things where even now when he came and spoke at our church, uh, we, he spoke on this okay. issue and he had to have a chair that looked a particular way so he could sit on it on stage because of his anxiety in the room. He can't even walk into a room, a church full of people worshiping. He want, he needs to be separated. Is that trauma? Is that what's going on there with the brain and anxiety and that, full rooms of people and panic attacks? And this, what, what's happening there? Well, Why do people go through that? The big argument, the whole nature nurture thing comes into this. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that come into the world dispositionally uh, more anxious than others. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go back through their history and you aren't going to find or uncover, ah, this happened, therefore. Right, right. There are some people they rev higher. And if you look in family lines or um, histories, yeah, you'll kind of notice oftentimes that, oh, this person was highly anxious. Uh, right. They're entering into it. Um, however, there are a lot of times where it's circumstantial. So almost coming back to that trauma thing where something has happened to where I'm going to have a heightened reaction to it. Right. Therefore, I need to be more vigilant to whatever it is that's going on. What does vigilance look like? How do we wake ourselves up? Anxiety. Right. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 there's energy, prepare, fight or flight even right, sometimes. Right, right. Um, other times it can be that we've been impacted by so many different things, we're full. And it just leaks out as anxiety. I'm carrying so much, um, I can't handle this, or I'm avoiding so much. I've repressed or even mm-hmm. suppressed uh, some things that... So what I'll do with people is what are some of those pieces there? We'll start big, um, like you talk about a lot, the 30,000 feet sort of thing perspective, and then we'll start leaning into some of those. And what that happens is it clears space to be able to manage more. Um, The more we avoid, the more it's working under the surface and can create its own um, anxiety or energy that goes with it. So a lot of times it's just, when did this start? If it, well, nothing, and then all of a sudden at the age of 11, Hey, what happened around the age of 11? If it's as long as I can remember, then it's more about how do we manage this well? Um, Is that more for some people on a medication uh, level? Um, And or, okay, how can you cope? What are you telling yourself? What are you feeling? What goes on in your body? Um, A lot of times, like session one, after getting information, I'm then trying to help them. How do you regulate your physiology? How do you bring your body down? Because if I'm sitting here and all of a sudden my heart started going and there was a knot in my stomach and I started shaking a bit, even if nothing changed in the room, I'm telling you, I am anxious and my thoughts are going to start becoming anxious. So if I can start to slow my heart rate, my breathing, my everything down, I now um, can engage in whatever it is I need to more effectively. And not from a 10 down to a zero. Sometimes it's from a 10 down to a seven. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. Thank you, uh, Josh, uh, no, for this. For and me. I think, uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to do this every once in a while, sit down and do an ask doctor. Josh to send in your questions. Uh, I think, uh, you can send them into like, hello. Yeah. At this is com, and we'll try to get to those. Thank you so much, sir. And thanks for listening to the village church podcast show. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to village talks. You can find out more about village church, including ways to support the ministry at thisisvillagechurch.com.